Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Community Church in Springfield, Missouri. Christ Community features life-giving, verse-by-verse teaching from the Bible. If you would like more information about CCC, you can visit our website at cccspringfield.org. We trust these messages will challenge and encourage you in being a faithful follower of Christ. So according to the American Psychiatric Association, Americans are five times more likely to say that their stress level increases rather than decreases during the holidays. Many of you are probably shaking your head that I get. Now that is a curious statistic if you consider the nativity story and what the angel said that I bring you good news of what? Great joy that will be for all the people and then glory to God in the highest and on earth what? Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Seems odd that peace and joy are in short supply during a season that we are celebrating the one who is to supply it. How can peace and joy be more of a reality for us? God's promise to us is that he will be with us. That was one of the primary promises of Jesus coming. That doesn't mean that we're going to be free of trouble. Uh, Jesus said in John 16, that we will experience trouble in this world And then he says, but in me, you will have peace. Pressures, circumstances against you, problems, trials, whatever name you want to put on it, you're going to experience. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, and the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, what we may have thought is that peace means less trouble, right? Easier. That's not the promise. And that's not the formula for the Christian life. Rather, he meets us in the troubles. And his presence becomes our peace. Remember the words of the Old Testament saints that they wanted to live in God's house. You might remember the, the temple was where God would meet his people. And we read in Psalm, and this is in the message version, I'm asking Yahweh for one thing, only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. That's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world. I like that paraphrase. Now, David is not describing a physical structure when he talks about God's house. When he says he wants to be in his house, we can take that as his presence. It doesn't mean we're going to be in four walls to enjoy his presence. We know that God does not live in a building made with human hands. Uh, I remember a church in St. Louis when we lived there, and it, it said to 
enter his house, his presence on the top. And I'm thinking, really? He only lives there, in that building. We know that not to be the case. Neither does it mean that we live in isolation, away from people. The temple, or God's house, represents the presence of God. And we're to enjoy God's presence wherever he is. That's what Jesus meant when he said, you're going to worship me in spirit and what? In truth. But in spirit means wherever you go, that's where I'll be because I live inside of you. An angel came to Joseph, the human father who raised Jesus, and he tried to quell his fears and concerns. After all, his fiancée was pregnant, and she claimed to be a virgin. Obviously, the marriage had not been consummated, but he had come together and was betrothed to her. It actually meant more than what we say by engagement today, but that aside, divorce was on his mind. That's what he was thinking. And here was what the angel said in a dream to Joseph. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, when a spouse feels jolted, when a person's life is not turning out the way that they originally envisioned, there is a divine message that we're to hear. And let me tell you what it's not. It's not, well, just hang on because things will get better. We don't know that. He didn't say, hey, Joseph, hold on, okay? God will level your spouse. You'll get even. You'll get vengeance. That wasn't it. He didn't say, okay, walk the aisle of the temple and rededicate yourself. Didn't say that either. The hope-filled message was the promise of Jesus that was rooted in his name, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to live within us so that we can have God with us. And so he's to be at home in our heart. It's what John wrote in Revelation 3 when he says, I stand at the door and knock, come and have supper with me. That's not an invitation of salvation. That's an invitation of Christians for Christ to be at home in our heart, not to feel like a stranger, that we are welcoming him, that we want to eat with him, fellowship with him. Again, God's promise to Joseph was not that he'd be free of trouble. When Joseph heard this message, our passage says, when he knew that God would be with him, he said, he took his wife and he did what God told him to do. Wow. Now that is a good turnaround, right? She didn't quit being pregnant, making it easier for him. He realized God was with him and that was all he needed. And he could travel through whatever humiliation would come that he felt. And by the way, he could travel across country to escape a maniacal leader who was killing all the babies. And he could love his wife that was much different 
than how he originally envisioned it. Besides God being with us, there's another source of hope that we celebrate this Christmas season. The angel said, she will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. The forgiveness of God is another source of our hope. God gives pardon to his people. Pardon means the, the cancellation of a penalty. The psalmist wrote, for your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. On the screen, you'll see, it's probably hard for you to read from where you're at, but that's an actual photo taken of a pardon of President Lincoln for Daniel Dusky. Daniel Dusky was a part of the Moccasin Rangers in the 1800s in West Virginia. And the Rangers were a group of men that would generally wreak havoc in West Virginia. Daniel Dusky was 52 years old when he led a raid in Ripley, West Virginia, a town, by the way, I would drive through whenever I would visit my mother who lived in West Virginia. And he led the Rangers into Ripley to raid an armory filled with guns that included some used by federal troops. No one was killed, but Daniel Dusky and Jacob Varner were captured by federal troops a few weeks later. And Dusky was sentenced to four years in prison. An appeal was made that Dusky did not act as an officer or some official of the Confederacy against the Union Army. And this issue led all the way to the White House. And you can read it on the screen, Lincoln's signature dated June 13, 1863. Daniel Dusky was pardoned. Daniel Dusky had a son named John Dusky. John Dusky had a son named William Dusky. William Dusky had a son named Floyd Dusky. And Floyd Dusky is my grandfather. Pardoned by Abraham Lincoln, my great, great, great grandfather. It's an interesting historical note. But how much would it be worth? That you can buy for about now fifteen dollars to $20,000. So if anybody would like to contribute that I could own that, <laughs> I'm up for it. That's what that is worth. But how much is it worth to be pardoned from every single sin? What's that worth? And who in the world could deliver that? How could you get a divine reprieve? A divine pardon only by a perfect sacrifice. Could you receive an all-encompassing forgiveness from God? Throughout the Gospels, we read that during the three-year ministry, Jesus was headed to Jerusalem because he knew he came there to die for the sins of mankind. And he purposed in his heart that this is what he was going to do. 
Luke tells us, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jerusalem was a place of death. It meant a trial, a beating, a cross, crucifixion. And Jesus willingly journeyed to Jerusalem. That was his plan all along. And days before he died, he would not go on a horse declaring military victory, but on the back of a donkey to declare peace. And peace was to come through submission of the heart, not through the point of a spear. Peace, a new relationship with God. And this would be marked by intimacy and and close fellowship with the God who is with us. Pardoned by Christ because of Christ. And so think of it. For those of you that are dealing with shame and guilt, your conscience bothers you all the time. Think of what it would be like to live without the shame, without the guilt. See, that's something all of us know about. But not all can experience what it's like to have a pardon. So whenever the tape is replayed, of your sins, it's like, wait a minute, I'm pardoned, I'm forgiven. And it is the coming of Christ that set this in motion. Because it addressed the biggest problem on earth, which is sin. And that's our biggest problem. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us, the psalmist wrote. Paul wrote in Romans, for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And John wrote, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, this Christmas season, we don't have to be another statistic for anxiety. We can rejoice in his presence and the pardon of our sins because the Savior, Emmanuel, has come. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Christ Community Church podcast. We hope today's message gives you encouragement and hope. If you would like more information about the church, you can go to cccspringfield.org.